Hello and welcome to another special episode of Talking Loyal. And tonight we are joined by former professional footballer Aaron McLean. Welcome, Aaron. How are we? Very well, thank you. How are you guys? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. It was we done a bit of research before, and that's why Tate's gone with uh, Aaron. I don't know if it's Aaron or Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's only since I've come into the media world why people call me Aaron. I've been yeah. Aaron McLean for the last twenty years. But... I was going to say you <laughs> you spent your life in football. I can imagine. Obviously, very intelligent people, but yeah, when it comes to football, you're, you're stuck with one name. That's yes, you're done. Yeah, I'm good with any name. It's fine. <laughs> oh, perfect. How are you finding um, the off season, punditry wise? Are you have you got stuff to do? Or are you out on holidays? Have you just come back from holiday? Anything? Uh, I've had a couple of holidays. Um, stag do's in Ibiza, which <laughs> nice. uh, very nice. Need need recovery afterwards. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then I've been doing a little bit of the England under twenty ones for talk sport. So oh, nice. Still been been keeping a little bit busy, um, but yeah, um, I'm itching for the season to start already. Yeah, I was gonna say, is it different? Obviously, you've played a, a long career in this the preseason. Obviously, a very busy time when you're playing. But like now with the media and punter, is it is it quieter? Are you even busier, or is it you got more time? What's it like? Uh, it's different. It's it's still busy, and obviously in. There's so many games throughout the season now with all the cup competitions and and the amount of league games. So it's still fairly busy during the season. And most games, I'm going to be travelling away two games. So there's a lot. I'd say there's probably more travelling than when I was playing. Yeah. Um, But I also get to spend a lot more time at home. You know, during the days I'm at home, even the days when I'm doing prep. So the day before a game. I'll normally spend at least three, three, four hours preparing for for the next game. Mm-hmm. But I'm at home. Yeah, so yeah. totally different. Yeah. It's a good work life, mm. work and, and social life balance. Yeah, nice. nice. Oh, perfect. Um, with all our guests, we like to start off with a few quick fire questions and it'll be no different. So Jack, you want to start us off with the first question? Yep. First uh, one, if you don't mind. Who did you support when you were growing up? I was a Chelsea fan. Chelsea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> A favourite player from Chelsea when you're growing up, or Zola, Zola, yeah, Franco Zola, yeah. Where, yeah. Before Zola came, it was John Spencer, right? Um, before my time, I think. But yeah, I'm I'm probably a little bit older than <laughs> you guys. So, and it, it, do you know what? When people ask me that, and I say John Spencer, then they realise that I'm a I'm a proper Chelsea fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not many fans outside of Chelsea know know who he is. Yeah. Yeah, not one of those 2005 Chelsea fans that we've got a few friends of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of them, don't worry. Yeah. Um, you scored plenty of goals, but did you have a favourite pair of football boots to wear? Well, I was with Nike through my whole career. So mm. there was, there was, I'd say there was probably two pairs that I really loved. There was one pair that I actually made when I was at Grays. Actually, I say they're probably my favourite ones. They were like kind of a, a pearly white and baby blue mm. colour that I've made on Nike ID, total 90s they were. You've got to be a good player to win it. Well, <laughs> uh, well this, was in, this was when I was doing well. This is, yeah, yeah. I've got it, <laughs> I, I can only wear them when I'm scoring goals, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but nice. yeah, they were my favourite pair. I wish I could get them back now. Yeah, well... Bit, maybe a bit personal, but we see your brother is a sort of rapper, R&B, and also your uncle is a singer or was a singer. What was your go-to karaoke? I've seen you do some 
do some rogue bits at weddings and stuff. So. Uh, yeah, I'm not really singing. Some, I didn't get that gene for sure. <laughs> that gene definitely skipped me. Um, I prefer to just do a little bit of rapping. You know, when we were younger, we used to we used to go to like house parties, and my brother was an MC at first, so we used to like go and do MC. Yeah, yeah, you know, MC over over garage, and mm-hmm. the two of us would do do a little bit. So, singing. If I was, if I had to sing a song, it would probably be like a boys to men song, yeah. like End of the Road or something like that. <laughs> when did you have to do any initiations when you played? Like, did you have to do? Did you sing or do a bit of MCing? Or I always, I always MCed. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I had to had to do an initiation, it was always um, MCing. And funny enough, I got the majority of the way through my career without having to do one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when I signed for Birmingham, they they forced me to do it. So, <laughs> yeah, I just cool did a bit that. of rapping. Nice, nice. Um, who was the toughest defender you came up against, one-on-one or just in the team? Or how who did you say? I was? think Rio Ferdinand was the, the best player, best defender I ever played against. He literally, he was just so intelligent that he read the game so well. And my game was all about movement and running in behind. But when you go to make a run, he's already dropped off three, Mm. four yards. So he's in the right position. And the odd occasion when he did get into a race with you, he was quick as well. So yeah, he he was for me by far the the best defender that I ever came up against. And at the time I was at Peterborough as well. So he kind of showed me the level that you you need to be at to, to compete at that level. Fair enough. Um, and on your goals, what was your favourite goal off the top of your head, if you can think you, that you scored? My favourite goal was I scored a goal against Stockport for, for Peterborough um, in our League 2 promotion season. And it was from about, I'd say, I'd say 30 yards. It was probably 25. But we had a throw from the left-hand side yeah. and I just let it run across my body and I just mm. volleyed it. And it just flew in the far top corner. Yeah. And I never scored many goals from from outside the box. So for me to hit that one was, yeah, that was the pick of the bunch for me. Nice. Very nice. Was it a winning goal or anything like that? Or what was it? Did you win the game? Yeah, we won the game. I think we won the game about 3-1. Um, but like I say, for me to score, yeah. to score outside of the box was was one thing, but to score what I'd say was a worldie. You know, I didn't score mm-hmm. many worldies. I was very much a, a box player and, and just hit the ball into corners. So for me to score a screamer like that, I was yeah. I was very happy. Nice. Perfect. And the final quick fire question, you um answer at the end of the show, have a little have a little think. But you scored you scored five goals against four separate teams. Can you name them? Have a little think about it and we'll answer it at the end end of the yeah, we'll podcast. Come, we'll come back to it, but yeah, there's Oh, yeah, that's a, a few good teams. question. Uh, five, five goals against four separate teams. Okay, have, I could, I could, I reckon I can name a couple of them already. Have a little think, and then we're at the end of the show, we'll come back to it. Cool. Yeah, but yeah, we'll sort of move on to the main part, and obviously talk about your career. But like you mentioned, you, you, you're at Ch- you're at Chelsea briefly, weren't you? For well, not briefly, six years throughout your youth, and then you moved on and made your sort of start in non-league and through Leighton Orient, but. Yeah, just a little bit about how, how it started with Chelsea and then how it progressed, really. Well, yeah, I was at Chelsea from, from 10 to 16. Um, 
amazing, amazing time, amazing education into football. Um, and I think they, they really taught me the, the real basics. But from a young age, and I say this to everyone, I was never, I was never the best player in my team. You know, if anything, I was very much middle of the road. And that's, I'd say that was probably in every team I played in. I was very much middle of the road, but because I had such good players around me, I knew that I just had to work hard. And, and that was my, that was my, my real start point at, at Chelsea. Um, but at 16, when it came to, to giving YTS, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't given a YTS mm. and was released from Chelsea. Now, one of my close friends and, and someone who I went to school with as well, he was at Leighton Orient at the time. He was a year above me. And he said, look, Leighton Orient would, would love you to come down and, and have a look at you. So, mm. you know, at this time, I had nothing else. You know, I, I, I didn't even know any other clubs really outside of, of Premier League football. So, mm. That's what I was going to say, sorry, did, when, when, it, when Chelsea happened and you were released at 16, did you... Like you sort of mentioned, but did you think, oh, that's that's it now? I'm I'm finished. Oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, because look, it happens all the time, doesn't it? The lads, it's it's very difficult. But... Yeah, it was it was difficult because it, you know, I literally got a phone call from Chelsea to say that we you wouldn't be getting a YTS, and I kind of knew anyway. Mm. Um, but obviously, once you get that phone call, it, everything you you really realise that right, that's it. I'm no longer a Chelsea player. Um, yeah. and you have the there's a period of embarrassment to a degree mm. because all through school, everyone's known me as Aaron McLean plays for Chelsea, blah, blah, blah. So there's, there's the embarrassment, there's the disappointment. I had no idea what I was going to do, going to do next. Um, so that was, that was a really, really difficult period. And I'd say I was, mm. I was really low for, for about a week or so before mm. I started to kind of, really I'd say it was a huge part to my friend you know he kind of said look don't worry about it Leighton Orient are, are interested so then I had to kind of do a little bit of research into right who are Leighton Orient what yeah, you know yeah. they were they were in the third division at the time which from the Premier League to you know don't yeah, get me wrong I'm, I'm at a Premier League club but I'm not anywhere near the first team yeah. or anything like that so yeah. I went down to Leighton Orient and and straight away there was a real a real good feeling about the place, you know, good people. They, they really paid an interest in me um, and offered me a YTS contract. So, you know, that, that low point that I'd had, yeah. that was, that disappeared fairly quickly in, in the grand scheme of things because I was then given a YTS um, scholarship. And yeah, that's when my, my football career, I'd say that's when it really started. You know, because I yeah. think up until then, it's it's kids football. To be honest, yes. Yeah. That's what you obviously when you went to Orient and like you said, you you're you're still a young man at that time, but you were slowly stepping into that men's game. And then I think it was like you spent about four years at Orient, but obviously you had a couple of loan spells, like dipping into non-league, still obviously a high level. But did that obviously that really? Do you think that really helped you when you're a young man, eighteen, nineteen, and playing men's football essentially? Yeah, I think my, my time at Leighton Orient was brilliant. Um, and like I said, I spent four years at Leighton Orient, two years YTS, two years professional. But I was never looked at as, as a starter for Leighton Orient. You know, I'd say I probably played about 50, 60 games. 
but I was always because of how I played and I was so energetic and mm. probably busy was what everyone used to call it back then. Um, I was always looked at as if they're winning, they chuck me on to just cause havoc and, mm. and try and make sure that I can run the clock down. If we're losing, they throw me on to try and wear their defence down and, and hopefully cause enough mayhem to for someone to score a goal. You know, I was never looked at as, right, Aaron McLean is going to start the game. So, you know, I had, I had two really bad injuries when I was there. I had a Liz Frank fracture, which is like a broken foot and all my toes dislocated. Um, and then a few, probably about 12 months later, I then broke my ankle and then I had to have a metal plate put in my ankle. So in that four years, there was two major disruptions mm. which kept me out for, for long periods. But when it came time, you know, to, to get another contract, there was already three uh, senior strikers and there was Jabo Ibiro, who mm -hmm. was the same year as me. And he was playing in the first team. So they were like, look, we could only keep, you know, we're only going to have four strikers. We've got three senior strikers who are still contracted. And we've got Jabo, who's the same age as you and is playing. So I was released and I dropped down into non-league with, with all the shots initially mm. on loan um, and then I'd signed you know I'd, I went on loan but I'd already signed a, a two-year contract with with Aldershot mm -hmm. and I must say it was the best the best thing that could have happened to me because then I went into men's football yeah yeah and playing as well playing yeah. week in week out and I understood what it means I understood mm. why these players work so hard during the week what a Saturday game means you know, mm. a win bonus to these players to, mm. you know, going out and playing in front of fans yeah. and actually being being one of the main main players. You know, everything just all of a sudden really started to, to make sense. But even at that point, I was thinking, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to being... Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say, ask again. But yeah, like the when you're in that period and old shot and obviously you moved on to Greys as well, was you always thinking higher or was you just happy... You're doing really well, but you're just happy with that. No, I always wanted to get back in the league. That mm. was always my my sole sole focus was I want to get back in the league. You know, I'd I'd, I'd been in the league. I'd, I'd spent you know two years as a professional, and I, I was desperate to get back there. But it seemed so far away. Yeah. It seemed it seemed like such a such a long way away. And I joined I joined all the shop when they was only just getting promoted into into the conference. Mm -hmm. um, spent two years there. We, we got to a playoff final and we lost on penalties. And then when I moved on from Aldershot, again, I joined Greys when they mm. were just getting promoted into, into the conference. So I was never the top team in yeah. the conference, yeah, yeah. you know, that was going to go on and, and get, get promoted the next season. Mm. Funny enough, Aldershot almost got there through the playoffs. At Grays, we should have got there. You know, we mm. had the, we somehow had the best team in in the division and ended up again losing in the playoffs. But I was around very good players and really good good managers, especially Mark Stimson at Grays mm. was was huge for me. You know, in terms of my development, he was he was one of the most important people in yeah. in my career. Well, you you mentioned there you played with some really good players down at non league. 
did any of them players get snapped up and go up to the high level? Were you thinking, is this going to be my chance next to any of them players play freshly? Yeah, well, at, at uh, Aldershot, Adam Miller, who I was close with, we, we travelled in together. And Adam Miller went on to, to play for QPR. And when he went, it was... I was over the moon for him because he's a brilliant guy, brilliant player, and and deserved deserved his opportunity. But at the same time, I'm looking and thinking, well, he's gone and I'm still here. So yeah, yeah. you know, am I am I going to get this opportunity? And there was there was periods where there was talk about you know Reading are interested in you, QPR yeah. are interested in you, but nothing really materialised from you know. And I suppose that was the first time when I realised that paper talk doesn't mean anything until yeah, you sign yeah. a contract it, it doesn't mean anything um, and Wait, after all yeah, that sorry that was sorry that similar question but when and when and how those teams started popping up was it was it in the season was it end of the season was it yeah, phone calls or emails or whatever what was happening no it was during the season so I'd gone and played for England C um, mm. whilst sorry, I was yeah. at Aldershot and once I got into that England team and, and was playing well for, for my club, then it started popping up in papers that, you know, Reading are interested and mm. QPR are interested and a few other clubs. And at the time you're thinking, right, well, I'm going to be going. I'm going to be going yeah. soon. <laughs> you know, and I, I think at the time the manager didn't like it. Um, mm. And we had a couple of, myself and the manager had a couple of run-ins and then I found myself out of the team and you know it was it was a really really strange period mm. um and at the end of it I ended up you know the manager ended up saying look I think it's probably best you go Greys are interested in you it's mm. back closer to home um and it came as a surprise to me but I was like okay cool well I, it, yeah. I didn't want to leave, but the man, if the manager doesn't want you, then then you have to move on. But yeah, again, I look back and I say, if that didn't happen, would everything else that, yeah, that yeah. played out, would it have played out the way it did? Pro yeah. Probably not. Yeah, so it was at Grey's you found your move to Peachborough, wasn't it? Did they doubt you, obviously, I assume, or you'd like to tell us how that came about? Yeah, so I was doing really well at Grey's. You know, I think the the season we just missed out on the playoffs. We lost a lot of players. We lost the likes of Gary Hooper um, and some really influential players. But myself and Michael Kitely were still there. Now, at the end of the season, I think Chester had come in for Kites and Accrington had come in for me. And Stimo was very much like, look, you're not going to those clubs. At the time, they were both right near the bottom of, of League Two. And they were like, just wait, mm. start the next season and you will get, you'll get your moves. You'll mm. get your moves to, to clubs that you can go on and progress in. So myself and Kites ended up staying. We started the season and I think I had like 13, 13 goals in 17 games. And then Peterborough came in and, and they beat 150 grand. Mm. Now, I think Grays had paid five grand for me from all the shots. Um, and 150 grand at the time was a club record for Peterborough. Mm. So when they when they put that bid in, you know, I was I was on my way. The, the chairman was, that an was easy. 
was that an easy decision for yourself or was it just like you said, um, chairman, yeah, see you later, mate, cheers? To a degree, to a degree it was easy in terms of, oh, listen, I wanted to get back in, yeah. in the league. Peterborough were a club that had just been taken over. Darren McCantney mm-hmm. had just taken over the club um, and I was going to be his first signing. So I'd gone up, I'd met with, with Darren and, and Barry Fryer and they, they sold the club to me. You know, they, yeah. they said that they've got aspirations of getting promoted through the leagues, getting to the championship within five years. Um, and it was, they all sounded great, but it was so unrealistic that yeah. I was a little bit like, well, I'm really enjoying the Greys. I'm scoring goals and doing well. Mm. I'm going to be leaving my mates. But, you know, it was it was the right thing to do. And yeah, you know, I'd gone home, spoke to my family about it. And then I think the next day I was I was packed and ready to to head up to Peterborough. Yeah, nice. Did you have the belief that you'd go in straight as a first team starting or were you under the impression that you'd be on the bench and you'd have to wait to get your chance? No, well, they'd made it clear that they were bringing me in and they were paying all that money for me to come in straight away, mm. you know, and I'd been playing all season for, for Grey, so I was, I was fit and, and I, was, I was desperate to, to get started. And, you know, I think I made my debut, I must have signed on, I don't know, maybe the weekend. And then I made my debut midweek in a cup game against Swansea, scored. And then, yeah, I was I was playing, and I played twenty games. I scored ten goals in in twenty games, and then I got injured and I tore my medial in, mm. in cartilage. So I ended up spending the re- remainder of the season out injured. You know, I'd only played the first the f- four months from I think it was November I signed, mm-hmm. and and then I got injured injured February. Um, and funny enough, I got injured literally the game when Mikel Smith had joined. I was so, going to say, yeah. A lot of people watching and listening probably recognise yourself. And then, I mean, me personally, I always remember you and Mikel Smith. I'm, I'm sure we'll elaborate. But, yeah, that first full season, you played 45 games and 29 goals. So, pretty pretty good. Came, yeah. <laughs> Came back for your injury strong then. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know what? It was funny because I got injured. Craig came in. Craig did really well. And then Darren Ferguson then came in. Keith Alexander got the sack and Darren Ferguson came in. And I think in that, in that off-season, Darren Ferguson had said that he doesn't think myself and Craig can play together. Um, and we really we really latched on to that, you know, between yeah. us because me and Craig were, were really good friends from, from the start. And yeah. we played for England together and we'd kind of made the same kind of journey. Mm. So we really latched onto that. And once we started playing together, it was, you know, it was incredible. Yeah. yeah, just everything just worked. Our games, we were both quite small for, you know, in comparison to, to most defenders. But we both had a, a sickening work ethic. You know, we, mm. we would run teams into the ground. And because of that, it created opportunities. And even though we were both, you know, small, quick, hard-working players, our games complemented each other. You know, I was a more technical one and he was, he'd chase a, a paper bag in the wind. So, <laughs> you know, we were both, we were both very, very similar in some ways, but but totally different in, 
in others. Yeah, you were top scorer that season uh, for League Two, and you got into team year, and obviously you got promotion. So to go from well, even from 2007 to later on after that, so you get to the championship from non-league to that. That's a very very quick rise, but it must have been incredible. Yeah, it was. You know, that was for me the best period in my yeah. career. You know, we we built a a team of just young, hungry players. A lot of us had, had come from non-league. Mm. Others had been at, you know, the likes of Charlie Lee who had been at Tottenham but hadn't got a chance. Mm. He was desperate to to kind of prove a point. And then we brought in some experience. We brought in Michael Hyde, who'd been there, done that, played in the Premier League. Mm. All that experience. We brought in Dean Keats and, and Chris Westwood. Again, two players who had had promotions already from the division that we was in and came in and brought that that you know just the leadership skills that they brought and they kind of kept us all in check because we were all young just yeah, excitable yeah. excitable mm. young young professionals who would every now and again go you know go a little bit off the rails <laughs> yeah, yeah. but they just kind of reined us in <laughs> and and just they they taught us the importance of making sure that as well as enjoying ourselves and enjoying the, the status of being footballers, we make sure that we, we do our work on the pitch and, and on the training pitch. And yeah. and yeah, it worked. Did George Boyd play in that team as well? Is he did he come later on? No, he... Boyd so Boyd joined similar time to me and Craig. Mm-hmm. Now I'd say George was the glue to mm-hmm. to everything that we did well. He was this he George was the standout player. You know, he was incredible. He's, he's, he had no pace, but would glide past people like they wasn't there. Technically brilliant, vision, awareness, you know, incredible. And they called us the Holy Trinity, myself, Craig and, and George. I was going to say, but, literally, you, that, those three names, Peterborough, that's, that is, for me anyway, it's obviously I'm a bit younger, but that is why Peterborough we're, are there. <laughs> that, that, that little trio and... Bergeson yeah, and, all sorts and of I think so. I think so. You know, a, a couple of months ago, we got inducted into the into the Hall of Fame, and we had to wait until all three of us had retired because they yeah. wanted to do the three of us together, um, which again was a huge, huge honour. Um, but yeah, though, I think us three together was that was the best the best group that I'd ever played in. You know, we we just had a a real telepath like there was almost a telepathic understanding between the three of us, and yeah. we'd go out and every game we'd go out, we'd just feel like it didn't matter who we was playing against because of how well our understanding, uh, how good our understanding is. We're gonna we're gonna create chances and and score goals and yeah, for those four years, it it turned out that way. I mean, after that promotion in League Two and obviously getting uh, 29 goals in that season, you must have begun into the, the next season full of confidence. What was the aim? Was the aim to get promoted again or was the aim to get to stay in the league and see what you can do? Or did you have so much confidence in that squad? Like you said, it was just a great team morale there. Was it, let's go again? We can, do, we can go back to back. Yeah, absolutely. That was exactly how we approached it. You know, we said, right, we've just got promoted. We should have won the league. Now let's go and let's go and get promoted again. And listen, again, it was we was probably just shooting for the shooting for the moon, mm. but we we had a real belief in in our own ability that 
we we can compete. You know, we played some cup games in that League Two season. You know, we beat Colchester. We well beat Colchester in the FA Cup. And that's when they had Teddy Sheridan and Kevin Lisby. You know, they were star-studded and we absolutely battered them. So, again, those games gave us confidence that if we step up a level and we perform the way that, that we can, we can, go and, we can go and beat anyone. And going into that season, I don't think we started the season great, but we, was, we were playing well. And at Peterborough, it's a very, very offensive yeah. way of playing which suited us down to the ground because we knew that as long as we're getting opportunities, we'll, we'll probably go out and, and outscore teams. I think, yeah, I think that, that season in um, League One, I think Mikhail Smith might have pipped you a few goals that year, but was it always a little friendly competition between you both? Or? Yeah, it was. It was. It's, we always had a, a, a real friendly rivalry. Um, mm. But the thing is, as much as... You know, I wanted to obviously be top goal scorer. Craig wanted to be top goal scorer. But it never stopped us from creating opportunities for each other. And, you know, during those seasons, I think in the first season, Craig had, you know, Craig had injuries. In the second season, I had injuries. So there was, you know, there was periods where we weren't playing as to why the other one ended up, you know, with so many more goals. But at no point was there... a I never looked and thought, right, Craig's five goals ahead of me. I'm not going to pass him the ball. Yeah, exactly. No, it was it was the exact opposite. It was like, right, do you know what? If Craig can go on and, and win the golden boot, I'm going to feed him as much as I can, as much as I can. And I think that again stood us in good stead because ultimately the end goal was getting promoted. You know, it didn't it didn't matter who who scored the goals, even though we all wanted to score the goals. As long as we win the games and and we're on on the team bus celebrating afterwards, that was yeah. that was the main thing. I bet you had some good celebrations with if you had Barry Fry <laughs> and even Ferguson in charge. I bet there was a few few nights. Out. Yeah, the, the the celebrations both both years were hmm. were incredible. You know, they were um, definitely memorable. Well, hmm. what what I can remember of them anyway. Did he? Did they ever treat you a little holiday or? If you got wasn't like a little like a little Wrexham trip, was it? Um, we never had a Wrexham trip. We did have a we had a couple of trips to Vegas, but they were they were um stag dudes, but they just happened to be at the end of the season when we'd been promoted. So we had um we had a few trips to to Vegas. I think we actually had one to Magaluf when we got promoted, which Magaluf and Vegas yeah, a little yeah, bit, a bit different, different. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, we had some, we had some great times, and the, the manager, he'd always throw a party afterwards. So there was one year he threw a party at, at his house, which was incredible. Um, the following year, I think we pre-season, we flew out to pre-season early, and the chairman threw a party with all of his staff that was working for his um property company mm-hmm. all of the players it was like insane like <laughs> insane party so yeah they they looked after us with the with the celebrations good good you mentioned um Darren Ferguson there and he's obviously his willing mentality and such do you think did his dad ever get involved or ever come down to training or meet you guys or can give you congratulations on your promotions or things like that now and again it? now and again we whenever we play up north we'd, we'd go and train at Carrington um 
So we'd, you know, we'd be there training. I remember the first time we ever went down to, to United's training ground and, and Sir Alex came over and was watching and everyone got starstruck. Really? Everyone. <laughs> you know, it was, it was literally a case of, oh my God, like, Alex Ferguson's watching. <laughs> I, I think that was probably the worst training session I ever had. <laughs> oh, really? I was going to say, the um, levels not go up? Obviously, no one's too worried. But he was brilliant. He never really got involved too much. He'd come down to games and, you know, and we'd hear, oh, yeah, like, Alex Ferguson's watching us mm. today and, and stuff. But he never he never got involved. He never came and, and spoke to the lads. He let he let Darren Darren do his thing. And yeah. and I think Darren was very much, you know, he wants he wanted to do everything himself as well. You know, he didn't want people saying, you know, yeah, my dad's helped me and, and this and that. He's very much, very much his own man. Um, and yeah, I respect, I respect him a lot, a lot for that. Because it would have been easy for him to, to constantly lean on his, yeah, on his course, father. Because, yeah. so yeah. Did you ever get your players on loan from, from United? I, mean, I remember a story once Preston did and then didn't, I think he got sacked once and they he took them all back. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure about the, the Preston one. From United, we, not really. Not really. I can't really think. I think Ben Amos, maybe. Mm. From, um, but not really. There was, yeah, we never really got, got many players from, from United, not down at Peterborough. Um, which, again, I think that was all part of the, I don't want to be looked at as, oh, yeah, 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 he's, yeah. he's doing well because... Mm. His dad's giving him all the all United players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he, he very much was wanting to stand on his own two feet, and like yeah, like I mentioned earlier, obviously the rise. You basically 2007, you were Grey's non-league, and then 2009, you're like we said, you're having a championship season. What personally, what was that like? Was you just living in the moment and next game, or was did you stop and think, bloody hell, like what's going on here? It was amazing. You know, we had a baptism of fire because our first game was away to Derby. Uh, full house and I think we lost we lost the game maybe 2-0 and it was like wow okay this is if every game is going to be like this then mm-hmm. we need we need to improve yeah. um, we didn't play badly but they were just they just outclassed us you know they the the opportunities that they had they put them away and yeah it was it was a real wake up call but as the season progressed, we I think we showed with even games that we didn't win, our performances were good. You know, yeah. our performances were were good, and we were playing good football. And yeah, people, that's what, you, know, you always we, sorry. You always when you obviously you got promoted, you're saying you're pretty well known for playing that style. When you got to the championship, was it the same sort of mentality? You weren't fussed. Yeah, it was the same. Play. Yeah. It was the same. We went out and we you know we didn't fear anyone, and we just go and play our game. And, you know, sometimes we'd get outclassed. Sometimes we'd be unlucky. Mm. You know, we wouldn't be clinical enough. Um, but we just went out and played and played the same way. And listen, sometimes maybe we should have tweaked things. Maybe we need we needed a bit of help. You know, I think that a lot of those players had gone from playing non-league football and within a couple of years were playing in the championship and, yeah. and weren't ready. You know, that was a a bridge too far because that standard is there's a huge gap between playing league two and playing championship football mm. so for so many to do it at the same time was probably too many but it was a it was a great learning curve for 
for a lot of us and for the ones that probably was ready to to step up i think that kind of gave us a good a good base to start yeah. on that promotion to the championship did you on that summer did you have any players that got pinched from other clubs or was it still like you said pretty much the same nucleus was there a player missing that you felt we could really done with them that that season i don't think we actually lost anyone um that season i was i thought i was going to go i thought i was going to go the year before you know wolves had come in and i think wolves tabled a 2 million pound bid um the season before and i i wanted to go you know, I put a transfer request in. I said I wanted to go to Wolves, and Wolves are in the Championship, fighting to get into to the Premier League at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was desperate to go. But Peterborough were adamant that, listen, the reason we've bought you players is to go and get us back to back promotions, and mm-hmm. you're not going. And it was very mm-hmm. similar at the end of this, mm-hmm. the following season. You know, clubs were showing an interest, um, but the chairman was adamant that no. We're keeping everyone together. The manager wants to keep everyone. So, yeah, we're we're going to go for it again. What we what we needed to do was was bring in some more mm. championship experience, mm. um, and I think that's probably where we we just fell short. On that um, transfer request, I've always wondered how does that work? Is it an email? <laughs> do you ring up or, or do you get your agent to do it? Or well, it how, was... do you, how, how do you submit a transfer request? So. Uh, the way the situation played out was Wolves had, had come in and it was made known to my agent that, that Wolves had come in um, and they tabled a bid. I think the first bid was like a million pounds. And I made it, you know, I made it clear to my agent, look, I want to go, you know. Mm. And I'd had conversations with the manager, I'd had conversations with Barry and the, and the chairman. And Barry said to me, look, if you want to go, you have to, you'll have to put in a transfer request. Um, so I was like, fine, okay. So I met my agent, we typed up a, a transfer request and I, I handed it in the, the next day. And then the transfer, weird, request got, <laughs> the transfer request got, the transfer request got, they didn't accept it. Oh, so, really? <laughs> <laughs> Which did right. go down too well, as you can imagine, with the fans. Yeah. So my mm-hmm. first, the first preseason game, once you know, it was made clear I'm not going. First preseason game, we played against Liverpool, um, and I got booed because <laughs> I wanted to leave, and then I scored, and then from that moment onwards, it was almost like it didn't happen, you know. And yeah. we went on and got promoted, and and I scored a. A load of goals, so everyone it's all was forgotten about. Yeah. yeah, it was all forgotten. It, it it rarely gets gets mentioned now. So, yeah. um, so yeah, obviously your that Peterborough time was a brilliant time for you on the up, and then you got your move to Hull in twenty eleven. Were they Championship at the time or were they Prim? Yeah, Hull were in the Championship. Yeah, you know. Is so that... yeah, go on. Because we so at Peterborough, obviously we'd got relegated from there. Mm. We'd got relegated from the Championship back into League One and then I started League One season on fire. Mm. So I knew that clubs were interested in me anyway, but I, I I was still at Peterborough. So that first half of the season was just really about for the team, we was trying to get promoted again back into the championship. Um and again for myself it was make sure that you you fire the goals to to get yourself back there. Mm. 
and then Hull, Hull came in. Um, I think Hull paid initially 1.6 million, um, rising to about just under 2 million, I think. And yeah, as soon as Hull came in, it was, I think the club were, were ready to let me go. Mm. And, and I was ready to, to go back and, and go to Hull and try and try and fight for a, for a place at a, at a big club. So mm. yeah, that, that was pretty, pretty a, a smooth, mm. a smooth transition. Was that Nigel Pearson, the manager then, who brought you in at Hull? Yeah, yeah. Nigel Pearson was, was the manager when I first came in. Um, and he signed myself and Matty Fryer together from from Leicester. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, as, obviously, whilst I was there, Nigel Pearson got the sack. Nicky Barmby was a player, then became manager. At the end of the season, we didn't finish this. We should have got in the playoffs. We just mm. missed out on the playoffs. So then Nicky Barmby wasn't kept on. And then Steve Bruce came in. Um, and I think everyone kind of, when Steve Bruce came in, you almost felt like, okay, right, we could be, yeah. we could be pushing there because we brought in a big name manager, someone who's already been there, done it. Um, and for a lot of us, it was, was he going to keep us? Was he not? You know, yeah. he's, he's got a reputation. Because when you, yeah, like when you obviously signed, you had Nigel Pearson, then Barnby, then Steve Bruce comes in. Did that, affect you personally do you think like all the, the chopping and changing or was you focused on what was going on uh yes and no yes and no under Nigel Pearson I played as a striker um and and same with Barnby when when Steve Bruce came in I played a lot wider um I played more you know if we played a front three I played left of the three which mm -hmm. a, a position I, I really enjoyed playing but in terms of like my goal return, my goal return is never going to be mm. what a, a number nine is going to be. So I kind of had to sacrifice the way that I played a bit to to make sure that I'm I'm in the team and and playing. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I did think whether or not I was going to stay at the club because yeah. Steve Bruce was was kind of known for if you give him money, he's gonna he's gonna spend yeah. it and he's gonna you know. Like most teams, when when managers want to make a change, normally they make a change and they go and bring in strikers, you know, strikers that have been there, done it, proven track records. So this was this was no different, but you know, I must say it was it was brilliant. You know, he, he brought in a brilliant coaching staff. Agus was was a great coach. Um and I, I, I learned so much. In, in that period. But I just knew when he came, I just had a feeling that we were going to get promoted. I just felt yeah, like yeah. we brought in that manager to, mm. to go in and, yeah. and get promoted. And that's that's kind of how it played out. Touching on a point you made made at the beginning of that, where you said you were playing a lot on the, on the wing. How did you feel as a professional footballer? And you were always a, a striker, you were saying, when you were growing up and you had the great um, partnership with Mikhail Smith, 4-4-2. I think it was around 2010-11 where teams started playing more 4-3-3, the extra man midfield. Did you find it harder as a number nine with, with on your own with two wingers or did you prefer it with a, with a strike partner? I preferred playing with a strike partner. But, you know, at the time, I didn't... It didn't really bother me. You know, I, I just... 
I just loved playing. I just, and I just wanted to play. So I was happy to just play in whatever position the manager wanted me to play. You know, at no point would I go in and be like, look, Gaffer, I don't want to play in this position. Or I don't want to play there. Like, mm. play me anyway. Play me left back if you want me to. You know, as, as long as I'm out there and I'm, I'm playing and doing what, what I love doing, I was, I was happy to, to play in any position. And I felt that, you know, because the way I played and I was, con I was a hard-working player, and I'd I'd run for for ninety minutes, so I feel like that. He obviously looked at that and thought, right, do you know what? I want someone who's mm. probably more prolific in that attacking position, but I know that he's going to do the work. You know, I know he's going to track back. I know he's going to get forward. So, uh, you know, I played left or or right of of a three, and yeah, I, I was I was happy with that. I think it's more when I look back now and I think. I probably sacrificed being in goal-scoring positions mm. to play more for the team. Mm. But as, you know, when I was out there, you know, that was never, that was never in, in my mind. You know, my, in my mind, it was just play well and, and try and win for the team. When you were, when you were at Hull, when you, like you said, when Steve Bruce come in, that must have been a real incentive to think, finally, I can push for the Premier League. That's like the, I don't know what the saying is the oracle of, of football, isn't it? In, in in this country as well, just to play in that Premier League, was that the whole team and squad's mindset? Let, let's get together. We've got an experienced manager who's done this before. How we do it? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what that's all what everyone wanted was was to get promotion. However, we did it. It was the the focus was get promoted, um, and we had a team good enough to do it. We had a squad good enough to do it. It was just a case of, can we be consistent enough in, in what we're doing? And for, for long periods of the season, we was. And then we hit a bit of a rough patch. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, it just looked like, oh my gosh, is it going to be, is it that, you know, is it going to happen again? Because it happened mm -hmm. to us the season before and we just fell away at the end. So mm -hmm. we, we managed to come through that. You know, we had a, a few big wins and one that stands out, we played Sheffield Wednesday away and we've been on a run of, of not winning, you know, drawing a lot of games and other teams were, were winning around us. And then we beat Sheffield Wednesday 1-0 away and I'd come on sub, scored a goal. Um, and that from, you know, on a personal note was, was a huge moment for me because I'd found myself out of the team, was only coming on, you know, was coming on as a sub. Mm. So to come on, scored a winning goal in, in, and kind of get us back, get the momentum going again, you know, was was huge on a personal personal note. And the team continued to, to grow, you know, and in the end, you know, we had enough to, to be able to get over the line and, and get automatic promotion and didn't have to have to do it through the playoffs. It's probably a good thing, yeah. The playoffs are going to be heartbreak, can't they? Yeah, they're not wrong. Yeah. Did you so, like talk about... Go on, Sorry, just to jump in there quickly. Playoff heartbreak. Moving back to Peterborough quickly. Were you were you at the ground for for either of them games? The Peterborough versus Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, well, I was at the game. I was at the first game as a just as a supporter. You know, the the owners had asked me to come down, and myself, Mikel Smith, and Gabby Zakawani, we were presented on the pitch before the game and done a lap of honour and I think it was to get the crowd going and, and make yeah. it a real because Peter but when at London Road 
if that crowd gets going, it's it's a tough place for for an away team to go. And they were brilliant, absolutely outstanding on the day. Um, probably should have won by more than four. Mm. And I covered the the second leg for Sky, so it was myself. That game, wasn't it? That was game. It was myself, Clinton Morrison, and uh, David Prutton. Now, they're both ex-Shepherd Wednesday players and obviously me from Peterborough. So you can imagine how heartbreaking that was. Oh, yeah. Um, Mental. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. But you know what? I was over the moon for Darren Moore because I know mm. Darren Moore really well. He's been mm. someone who I can call up and ask anything. You know, he's he's always been there as a, as a mentor. So I was over the moon for, for Morrow. I was over the moon for... Mm for Baz, for Barry Bannon and, and a few of the other lads. But I was yeah. gutted, gutted for, for the people, lads, because they'd, yeah, they'd done the work, you know, first game, they'd done all the work. But playing at Hillsborough in that environment was, it was so hostile and it was almost like a cauldron kind of feel. You could, you could mm. feel it in the air. Mm. Um, and I said I was nervous travelling up. When I spoke to the producer on the way up to the game, I was like, I've just I I haven't got I've got a bad feeling about today, and he's like you're falling up like, uh, and I said I don't know what it is, but I've mm. got a bad feeling, and then straight away Clinton said if they're two 0 at half time, then they're gonna win, mm. and yeah, was <laughs> yeah he was right for once. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on to might as well jump to the punch if you don't mind, but so when at the end of your career you obviously dropped back to non-league where it all began. Um, was that, you obviously went into the coaching side of things. Was that something you planned or you were you were thinking, right, once I finish my career, I'm going to move into the coaching side? Yeah, coaching was, was the natural progression for me. You know, as a player, I was very vocal. And as I was coming to the end of my career, I was always one to try and help the younger ones, you know, and do extra sessions with, with younger players and, be kind of a mentor so the natural progression for me was was to go into coaching um and Darryl McMahon who was my manager at Ebbsfleet when I retired he you know he was brilliant with me he said look I want you to come in and and be first team coach down here at Ebbsfleet um mm. and yeah really helped me kind of understand what what coaching was all about he's a incredible manager you know someone who I think is is more suited to to a higher level you know because of when I look at the managers that I've played under and I've played under a, a lot of managers mm. and he's one of the best he's one of the best in in his approach in his detail in the way he coaches um I think that he's he's someone that it was good to learn from him and him and Darren Ferguson are very similar in a lot of ways to how they their style of play and the way that they coach, the, the amount of detail that they give you, they're very similar. So it was it was brilliant to, first of all, having worked under under Darren Ferguson and then to be playing under Darren McMahon and then coaching under him because we have a similar similar philosophy of, of football and a similar idea of how, how the game should be played. And when you moved on to Peterborough to help with Darren Ferguson, again, was that a no-brainer? Obviously, you'd played under him. It was a good experience. You just thought, right, that's going to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, I, 
initially I'd gone down, Darren had just come back to, to the club and I literally just, he said, look, come down, we'll have a coffee, come and have a look at the lads. Mm. And I wasn't going down there to, to go and do anything. It was just literally to go and, and see Darren. Um, and then we, you know, we sat down, we had a talk and he was like, you know, what are you doing now? I was doing my badges at the time. And he said, look, why don't you come down and, and do a couple of days? You know, just mm. do a couple of days coaching with us. Um, he was down there with Gavin Strachan, who again was one of my teammates at Peterborough. Mm-hmm. So the three of us would, you know, we'd, we'd do the sessions and then it just progressed. You know, they offered me a, a full-time position as first team coach and manager of, of the under 23s as well. So, you know, it was it was perfect for me. You know, I was back back home, so to speak, with people that I, I knew and respected. And yeah, it was it was the ideal scenario for me to to take that job and and see where I go with it. How does um, Aaron McLean, the manager, compared or coach compared to the striker? Is there a can you sense similarities in there, or are you more are you more calm as a coach? I'm a lot calmer. I'm a lot calmer mm. as a coach, but I because of the way that I've I played, because of the journey that I had as a player, you know, coming from more or less coming from non-league to get to to the Premier League. I know how hard I had to work to to get there. So as a coach, I, I, I'm demanding. I'm demanding. I demand that whatever you do, you do it to your absolute maximum ability. You know, I, I knew that every single day in training, I had to work hard. I had to give everything in training because technically I, I always say that I, I managed to make, have a 20-year career because I continuously bought myself time to improve. Mm. And the more becoming a football, a professional footballer isn't the, the hardest thing. Staying a professional footballer is the hardest, mm. the hardest part. And I continuously bought myself time through the years to be able to, to progress and, and improve. And that's all I, I demand from, from the players. Because at a young age, you don't really understand that. You don't understand that if you don't give everything now, someone else is giving everything. And you can't see them, but they're at their clubs giving everything. And once they come in, they'll take your position. And then you you can't you can't all of a sudden just pick up and then say, all right, yeah, all of a sudden I'll give everything now. It might be too late by then. So I understood that from a young age. And I, I demand that any players that work with me uh, in a coaching aspect, if you're going to work with me, that's what, what I expect you to do. So they probably get the short end of the stick to a degree because that's what I I had to do. And I probably didn't have half the technical ability that a lot of these young lads have got now. Mm. But it will stand them in good stead if they hope to to get to, to the highest level that they can. Yeah. And oh, you're 100%. Yeah, go on, say. No, I was going to say 100% because you, you can see players that have obviously the talent but haven't got the the um, attitude or hard work ethic, the work ethic to go with it. And that must be as a coach and even as a teammate, a really frustrating thing. Um, well, it's the worst thing. It's the worst thing. And listen, I, I constantly meet people who say, 
yeah, I could have done this, I could have done that. Yeah, I could have been a professional. Oh yeah, I know so-and-so, he had all this ability. Listen, we all know a million people who have ability, but especially as a coach now, I can see that coaches don't just look for ability. Coaches look for the way you apply. How do you carry yourself away from football? How do you carry yourself around the ground? What's your punctuality like? What's your attitude like to training? When there's something that you don't want to do, do you still do it and do it to the best of your ability? Like, it's all the little details that when it comes to someone offering you a contract or not offering you a contract, it's a, it's a collection of all those things. It's not just, well, he's, yeah, he's a good player because there's loads of good players. Loads of people can play the game, but not everyone has the right attitude towards all the other aspects surrounding it. And it's all about characters now. People want good characters within their dressing room. They don't want to have to carry anyone. And no. especially with the amount of money that they're paying people, people now. Well, hundred percent. I'm a I'm an Arsenal, I'm a diehard Arsenal fan, and I've seen that over the years since, like for example, when Arteta's come in. You've seen it on the Amazon documentary. Doesn't matter who you are, and like you said, the way the two the two biggest players who got got the two biggest wages are the ones that have been kicked out the door for things like not for turning up late, not having the right attitude, not wanting to be a team player. And like you said, I think now in all days and age, the best players do that. And the best managers will demand that. And if you're not doing that, then you can't get picked. Someone else will play. Absolutely. And I think when you look now and you look at the best players, like if you look at the Premier League and you look at the best players, you look at your Kevin De Bruyne, you look at your Haaland's, the best players work their socks off. Like it's, mm. it's, a, it's non-negotiable. Mm. And the best managers demand it. There's a, there's a reason why Newcastle all of a sudden are an unbelievable outfit because every single player puts in a shift, regardless. There's a reason why he brought in Kieran Trippier, because they don't have days off. You know, regardless of what you think about him, you might think there's better players than Kieran Trippier. He doesn't have a day off. He works consistently, week, day in, day out. And then you get the rewards on the pitch. And that then filters down. The same way the formations and playing 3-5-2 and all these expansive, playing out from the back, and all these things filter down, the the work rate and the desire to, to consistently, yeah. it's always there. And if you, listen, my aspirations was to go and play in the Premier League and play for a top team in the Premier League. My ability wasn't going to get me there. But I was adamant that whatever level I can get to is going to be the best level that my ability and everything will get me to. So if, if League Two was my absolute max, I'm going to get to League Two. If National League was my max, that's what I'm going to get. Some of these players, their max could be Premier League, but they're not going to get there because they're not, they've not got the right application and the right desire. And that's the, that's the sad thing about it. If they have that, they've got a chance. And that's kind of our job as coaches, is to make sure that you give them every single... Give them all your experience, give them all the tools, and then ultimately it comes down to, to the player whether or not they've got it inside them to, to get that extra little bit. If they have, they've, they've got a chance. Well, you, you sound like you know your stuff and you can tell you're a coach <laughs> and you've been around football, but you obviously moved into the media side of it. Do you, You're still in there now. So I think I saw recently three years at Sky, is that right? Yeah, so yeah, it's, this is my third third season at Sky. 
Um, you think you're going to carry on doing your media stuff or go back into coaching or? I, I, I love coaching, but I, I must say, I absolutely love the media. Yeah. I, 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 you know, since I, and I kind of stumbled into it, you know, I got let go from Peterborough during COVID, you know, Peterborough had to make cutbacks mm. and it almost made a, a position for me. So naturally when they had to make cutbacks, mine was one of the positions that, that had to go. And Sky asked me to come down and just watch watch some games. Mm. And I, I just loved it straight away. You know, I, I took to it and I worked, you know, and continuously work, work really hard at it. Exactly. It, I'm exactly the same as a pundit as I was as a player. You know, I put hours into, into my prep for every game, whether I'm doing a National League game, a Premier League game, whatever level I'm doing. I put hours of, of prep into making sure that I can give the best, the best performance hmm. um, on on camera or or on radio, whatever it is I'm doing. And, and you're, you're doing a lot of, like you said, you do all sorts of levels. And but I've, obviously, recently I've seen you a lot on BT doing a lot of the non-league sort of coverage and stuff. Is that obviously because of your career? Essentially, you started non-league, you went all the way to the top, and then you finished in non-league again. Is is that fit you perfectly? Do you think? Yeah, I think I think I'm lucky in that I can kind of do all of it. You know, mm. for Sky, I do the predominantly EFL. You know, League One, League Two, Championship. For for BT, I do non-league. I do the National League every week. Um, mm. I've done a few Premier League games, live games for for BT and and some co-coms. I've done one Euro, Europa League game. Uh, co-coms so I'm just kind of trying to do everything you mm -hmm. know and I think I'm fortunate in that I've had promotions from every division yeah. so at whatever level I'm I'm asked to do I've got experience having played in that level listen I've never played international I've never played in, in the Europa League or Champions League but I, I guess I'm doing a good good enough job covering the other the other levels yeah, yeah. that they yeah. trust that you know, I'm going to be able to go out there and and talk and and, and know what I'm talking about. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I don't definitely. go on there and I don't just say things for the sake of saying it. I give my my opinion as an ex-player and I give, I, I, I never batter anyone. I don't go out and, and target people. Mm. There are people that do. And you that's, know exactly <laughs> what it feels like, don't you? <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I think everyone's got their own styles. But my style is, right, I will say what I see. I'll try and explain my reasons for, for whatever opinion I've got. And hopefully I show that as well as being knowledgeable on football, I've taken the time to, to make sure that I know about the clubs. I know about the players. I know, you know, I understand whatever the competition is. I understand what it means to, to that group of fans, especially. Because ultimately, if I'm covering, you know, if I'm covering an Arsenal game and I don't know any of the history of Arsenal, it's kind of lazy punditry. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. if I don't know any of the players, I don't know how many goals someone scored. If I don't know Martinelli's scored 14 goals, then that's lazy punditry. So I make it my priority to research all the players, research what they've done over the years. You know, when was the last time, if, they're, if I'm doing a Europa League game, when was the last time they, you know, what was their last five Europa Leagues 
what, what's the furthest that they've got? Who, when did they last win it? If they've ever won it, just things that, as fans, you want to know. Yeah, yeah. And it's not some. It might not be something that you know prior to watching it, but then when you go to the pub and you're talking to your friends, and you say, "Yeah, well, the last time we won it was back in 1984." Mm. Like. You know it because I've told you it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you don't even know that it's me that's giving you the information. Yeah. You yeah, just no. know it because you've heard it. So, yeah, I'd like I like to think that what I I'll give people like information that they probably wouldn't know before. But it's not just speaking for this. It's not the generic. Yeah. Oh yeah, well he scored a goal, he crossed it, and and he added it in. It's a little bit. There's a bit there's more. A lot more to it. Yeah, definitely. One thing I wanted to ask, were you more nervous for your um, television debut, punditry debut, media debut, than you were for any game that you stepped down the pitch for? Um, when the camera went nervous. live. <laughs> I was nervous. I must say, I was nervous before every game. Were you? Throughout my career. Every game. I'd say there was maybe one or two games that I wasn't nervous for, and I hated it. I hated not being nervous for a game mm. um, because I always felt like if I'm if I've got a bit of nerves, it makes it makes sure that I'm sharp in my mind. It makes sure that I concentrate on everything. Mm. And the odd occasion, if if I wasn't nervous, chances are I would play badly, and I'd know that I've played badly. So I'd make sure that 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 didn't happen again. You know, especially at Peterborough. At Peterborough, myself and Craig, before every game, we'd go in early and we'd do hot and cold baths, contrast baths. And whenever we did that, I'd sit in there and I'd be thinking about the game. And I'd almost be working myself up, like making sure that I'm feeling the nerves. Because I knew that then once I go out, straight away, as soon as the game starts, and my thing at the beginning of every game was, I'm going to sprint. When they take centre, I'm going to sprint and win the ball. You know, Straight away. When you they, get the ball, sometimes you get the player. <laughs> whichever you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that always set us off. And it, mm. you, like, it was surprising how teams didn't realise this. But they'd take, like, they'd pass it to, they'd take the little touch and then they'd pass it back to the centre midfielder or centre half to launch it forward. As soon as they take that touch, I sprint. And ultimately, I'd end up getting a, either winning the ball or I'd get a tackle. Mm. And then all of a sudden, that just lifted us straight away. And then the nerves yeah. would disappear. You're in the game. So there was, yeah. yeah, there was little things that I used to work on to make sure that I'd get that little bit of, little bit of nerves and it would, it would set me up. But for the TV, I was a fish out of water. I just had to yeah. go and... And they didn't give me any, they gave me nothing. They just said, right, you're doing this game on this day. Be there. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was like, ah. No. And I did, I, I did way too much prep for the game. Like I'd say probably 98% of what I'd prepared, I didn't use. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm more, I guess I'm just a nervous guy. I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> nervous before no. I know the feeling, um, obviously on a smaller scale, we've been doing this for just under a year now. The first we had Matt Jarvis on, it was our first one, and watch that back now, and I'm like, 
Uh, <laughs> hello, Matt. I was, I was sat in this room, like, sweating. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but feel, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's all um, prepar- preparation. We've done our preparation. You want to know your bits. You want to know your questions. And it's just settling the nerves. And once that's gone, then it's just, it's it's three lads talking about something we all love and it's football. Yeah. And that's something I can talk to anyone about, whether you've got two heads or whoever. That's something I can talk to people about. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I started a podcast um, last season and I only did a, I only did about three episodes. It's, it's definitely something I'm, I want to kind of get going again. Mm-hmm. But I must say, like, full credit to you guys because it's, uh, again, I was nervous before I did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Wright was my first guest. Now, I know Mark. I've not, you know, I've grown up with Mark. But even sitting down and having to having to be in your seat now and asking <laughs> the questions and, and making sure that it flows, you never know mm. what your guests are going to be like. Exactly, you never know yeah. if they're just going to be able to just talk or whether you're mm. going to have to constantly find questions to ask yeah, and yeah. kind of lead the, lead the direction of, of the conversation. So I'd, I'd say I was probably more nervous before that than anything yeah. I've done <laughs> because it yeah. was all on me. Um, but then again, as I as you do a few of them, then all you you realise that yeah. you know what it's actually as long as you, you get good down, guests, man. yeah. yeah as long as you true, get good guests, true. I'm mm. sure there's going to be listen. You're going to get an absolute stinker, and they're just <laughs> yeah. going to be like, yeah, 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 yeah. no, yeah, no, and yeah. then you <laughs> then you're going to have to try and work your magic. But yeah. You guys seem like pros anyway, so you're good. <laughs> I appreciate it. We'll get, we'll get that bit clipped. <laughs> Talk, talking of pros, though, you scored five goals against four different teams. Can you, can you name them? Okay, so I'm going to go... Is Brentford one? Brentford, sorry. Was that? Yeah. No. No? No. Accrington? Yep. Let me, sorry, let me, I've got a little stat here. Where is it? So you scored two, oh, he's okay. I see why he said Brentford, because you scored, I'm about to say, you scored two hat-tricks in your career. One was Atkinson and one was Brentford, but yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. okay, so Atkinson's one. Orion? Yep. Did you, did you celebrate against Orion? Are you one of them players who would celebrate against nah. your old team? No, never celebrated. Mm-hmm. But that was my first team, and I yeah. still got a lot of respect for them. So no, I never celebrated. So five goals against how many teams? Four. And you've five got two or four. four teams. You've named so. two or four, yeah. Um Bristol? No, I think they were. You scored four against them. Uh It must be hard. Right. He scored a lot of goals. So. With with the other two, can what leagues are they in now? What leagues are those clubs in? One is definitely in the in. in <laughs> one team is definitely in the championship. How does it check? Yep, yep. Let me just check the other side. I think the other one is in League One. I don't know. It might be the championship still. So the other team would be... They are championship. They're championship. 
They're yeah. playing red. Rover. Correct. Bang on. <laughs> nice. Very good. I, I, Very good. You, I was not expecting to get that so quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good little pub quiz one. That's a great question. I'm going to have to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> so who are the two oh, Patricks again, Jack? You say um, Brentford and... Um, Brentford and Akron. Brentford and Akron, yeah. Have you still got them hat trick balls? I have somewhere. They're in the loft, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've not really um in terms of like hat trick balls and even shirts and stuff, I've not really done much of them. I think when I move again, I'll when I'm allowed to get a um a games room. Yeah, a little man cave. Then, <laughs> yeah, when I'm allowed. At the moment I've I've got a three year old, so I'm not allowed anything. Everything yeah. is <laughs> any spare room is a kid's room. Yeah, yeah. So we've got four kids' rooms at the moment. Uh, <laughs> mm. no, very good. Very good. Uh, perfect. I think that brings a, a nice wrap to the end of the podcast there. Um no, I just want to say thank you very much for, for coming on again. Yeah, I appreciate it. Very no, thanks for having me. Thanks for having and, me. It's uh, been good. We'll we'll keep an eye out for you on the on our TVs and um yeah, I hope, I hope the season goes well for all the punditry. And hopefully, well, hopefully you get to do the England Under-21 final if we get there. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah, crossed. Yeah. Semi-final against Israel, isn't it? And then, yeah, potential final against Ukraine or I can't remember the other team left in it now. Yeah, uh, well, we're, and we've already beat Israel, so. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, looking good. They're looking good. So, no, so I just want to say thank you again for coming on and um, yeah. yeah, I hope you enjoyed it and, yeah. Take care. Thanks so much. Cheers, guys. No Cheers. worries. Thank you.